1159 at Radio Free America, and this is Uncle Sam with music and the truth until dawn. Right now, I've got a few words for some of our brothers and sisters in the occupied zone. The chair is against the wall. The chair is against the wall. John has a long mustache. John has a long mustache. It's 12 o'clock, Americans, another day closer to victory. And for all of you out there on or behind the lines, this is your song. GearWebsites.com is your source for firearms-based playing cards and books. We also have mugs, shirts, and posters with designs that we've made live. Of course, we have patches. Every Friday is Free Patch Friday. We appreciate your support. Thank you for shopping at GearWebsites.com. Thursday, Firearm Travel and the Gun Show Loophole Tour. On Thursday, we explore the gun shops, shows, and firearms museums we have visited. Since 2016, we have traveled over 60,000 miles through 29 states to visit over 200 gun shops and more than 30 firearms museums. We'll also take a look at 2A rallies and gun shows from all over the United States. And welcome everybody to our daily gun show. Come to you live every weeknight at midnight Eastern, and we talk about guns for about an hour or so. Uh, this is a longer format overnight show, true overnight, starting at mid. Well, not truly. It's really late night, starting at uh, midnight on the East Coast, and 9 p.m. over here in this Pacific's time zones. So uh, let's dig in on Thursdays as DJ mentioned in the intro we talk about travel and tech not actually travel and training actually we're going to talk about a little bit of both tonight so what are we looking at here we're looking at the screen and i don't have a poll going because i'm not logged into that channel if you got a good poll idea let me know we'll throw a poll out there i guess i should mention that uh we run this show as a live event meaning a participatory conversation we leave about a quarter to a third of our screen for the live conversation. And we're not trying to prove nothing. So if there, there's no script here, if nobody shows up, nobody interacts, then I get sick of blabbing and we shut the thing down. When people participate, like DJ did here, we throw it up on the screen and stuff and we chat about it and the conversation evolves. On Thursdays, we talk about tra training and we talk about travel. Two things I'm passionate about, two things that as far as the projects go, I've been doing for a while. Oh, by the way, did I say give me some feedback on the fans? We got all the fans running. It's just barely getting cool at 9 p.m. so I can get the doors open here. I am in here, right? Yeah. So uh, travel, training, two things I've been interested in. I started doing the stuff online because i could because i was doing other things and the gun stuff that we did was was uh, practice or uh, alternative options if we needed to show somebody something and we wanted to show them three versions i would make it fishing or hunting related and uh we just uh, started to create stuff just because why not after a bit, we figured out that no one else was doing it, and we already had some stuff up there. So we just continued on and kind of finished up, filled in the gaps. And in the process, also learning a bunch of tech. I was doing a bunch of learning back then. Um, 
we developed uh, an, inter an interface, a system to populate lots of places, lots, lots of websites on lots of topics, and we started to travel. Uh, we started to, in order to create content to fill those websites that we had, and we had reason to do it. We went out and collected content, or we traveled to collect that content. This was from the 90s into the 2000s, and before there was real video on the line, and before there was really high-speed internet, uh, you weren't sending files. You certainly weren't going to send a CD-ROM worth of images, so you'd go pick them up, and while you're there, you'd take pictures and experience whatever it was. Um, a lake or a mountain place or maybe a cabin or something or a hunting unit. You know, we go out there and scout around or something, park or camp. And uh, traveling to those locations became a big part of what we do. I've traveled my entire life. I've always dug traveling. I don't know. Maybe that could be a poll out there. Somebody really joined in this live, so it'll probably be a very short show. So whoever's listening in the future... If you're a traveler, if you're a person who uh, would rather travel, for example, than buy a fancy thing, um, then you know what I'm talking about. Having fancy things is neat. Having useful things is useful, right? There's effect is use, you know, has, there's a point to that. But I'd rather go somewhere or do something anytime than possess another fancy thing. The possessions rarely give as much satisfaction as the... Uh, participation in something, go into a place or experience in a, a temporary event or going to a place and getting a shared experience, you know, going to the Bannerman Castle or something like that. Um, so going to these places was a big part of it and fit right in with our interest in traveling and pretty much everybody on the team would uh, go travel something else to do we didn't like watching cable we had all this this from this uh to this resource out here N some of us but half of us came from other states and moved to arizona and the other half of the people on the teams were uh here in arizona so they grew up here so they were aware and like locals and were showing us all the secrets and back routes and you know, all the stuff that they had learned over their youth of getting experience from their grandparents and whatnot, going hunting or just backroading, going go looking for gold or bird watching or whatever it was we were doing. Uh, we were like half and half. The people, the guys that were here already were showing those of us that were, had moved out here what was, what was up. So we all learned together. We all learned to teach and learn together and create content and do this all on the road for the most part. Um, we never really got into the car aspect. The cars to us, the same as shoes or pants, like you got to have them. So you got them. You might have a preference, but we're not going to sit around talking about our pants to each other. Like, I don't think we put much effort into ever talking about each other's shoes unless maybe somebody's shoes stank or something or somebody walked in something. Right. So, uh, that was just not a thing. We might talk about our, each other's tools or guns or something, but for the most part, everybody kind of read their, whatever magazine made whatever decision. And went on their way. There wasn't a bunch of debate on all this stuff. It was more of uh, you'd get ragged on if your decision was poor and you bought a piece of garbage gear and everyone would learn from it. But you'd learn the most because you had to deal with without it and everybody was going to give you shit for purchasing it or choosing it. And every once in a while somebody would come up with something new and everybody would give them a heads up like, hey, thanks for that. And then everybody would, uh, you know 
try it or uh, whatever. So, you know, the evolution of, of what we've been doing is big part on travel. Now, as far as training, I don't think any of us let any too much. Actually, that's not true. I've uh, gone to scouts. So I would say I'd gone, I was going to CPR training every couple of years forever. I forgot what the thing was back in the day. You'd, you'd go to training every so often. And then somewhere when I was a kid, I read that if you can't remember the name of your last first aid instructor, then it's time for more training. Like that's a good indication that it's time to take some more first aid training. So uh, with that in mind, I've taken first aid training sporadically throughout the years or whatever. So, so I was tr first aid training, I've always been aware of. And then um, it wasn't until I started doing, and I guess then I'd be, you know what? It, it was probably the computer training. When I was at, one of the reasons I took the job at Microsoft ever was because I wanted to see what it was like to work for Microsoft inside. But I also, you get free training when you work for Microsoft. All the Microsoft training was free and that has value. So I wanted to uh, experience that and learn all that stuff. And I like to, I've always been an advocate of learning something by training and then deciding whether or not that's going to be a career choice or that's the way to go based on the training, using the training to help evaluate if that's the direction I want to go, as well as learning the skill set. Because accumulating skill sets is something I'm going to do no matter what. So the training, I don't care. I'm, I'm going to take the training, but whether, you know, I'm also going to use it as an indicator. So for me, I didn't want to do tech stuff. The tech people are not cool people, and the people you work for are not cool people. And every once in a while, you do find a cool one. They're the exception to the rule. The rest of them can continue to work the way they want to work. So uh, it was a good experience or whatever, but I think that helped my uh, taste or appetite for training as well, and understanding having some credentials and what that can do for you. And then, of course, just being a capitalist, you know that when you've got credential, you know, you've got more opportunities. So uh, the training and the uh, travel have been with us for a while. Uh, as far as travel, we've continued to travel since the beginning. Like we said, we started with travel and then traveled um, starting in two. You know, I was a I was in D.C. when 9/11 happened because I was on a road trip, and that was a horrible one. That was a road trip where I decided not to bring any guns because the the destination location didn't like guns. So I was like, "Oh, no problem. I'm an idiot. So I'm just going to go across the whole country without guns." And then 9/11 happens. Are you kidding me? 9/11 happens, and I'm in D.C. during 9/11, and I don't got any guns. So that was an eye opener. Now it's after Y2K, Y2K had happened and we all knew it was up and then what happened happened. So we all understood the consequences of getting prepared and then tensions easing. So we didn't know what was happening at the time though. But anyway, that was an exciting revelation as far as travel. Uh, but anyway, since then I've been traveling quite a bit. Other road trips, I don't leave unprepared, right? So uh, we've been, we traveled quite a bit in 10, in nine, in 12, in 16, and 17, 18, 19, and 20. No, 19 is probably the last time we traveled a lot. Over the years, uh, I don't count every single road trip, but the major road trips come up to 60,000 miles or something like that, and that's gun shop to gun shop, gun show to gun show, occasionally an event at the end of the road or during the, along the way. So our focus has always been on uh, discovering and exploring our community, and as you know, as 
as much as possible, not in every single way, but in ways that are of interest, and then to share that. Uh, we share it in real time while it's happening, and then on websites and social platforms and other content, you know, that gets uh, left on the internet, hopefully forever, or at least for a long time, to leave an echo and a link back to whatever it is we experienced or shared. So same with training. Uh, we have websites devoted to training. There's playlists on the platforms that are devoted to training. Um, tonight we'll talk about locations, but some of those locations are training locations. So it'll all weave together. And anybody who is going to understand that there are lots of fibers or lots of threads, I guess, that uh, intertwine. So you know, competitive shooting, for example, is going to have a lot to do with ammunition. It's going to have a lot to do with training. It's going to have a lot to do with travel because competitions aren't in the same place all the time. Very few, actually no athletes that I'm aware of can be in one place. That's one prohibitive factor for uh, being an athlete. You have to be able to attend the various matches. Mm, I guess maybe there's something in there as an exception to the rule for postal matches, but anyway. So uh, tonight we're going to talk about uh, a couple of things. I'm flipping over from the thing here because I don't have any What's it called? Any polls going anyway? Again, if somebody's got an idea for a poll, then let me know. I might use it. DJ says, some of the best advice I'd ever heard on summer tour was, whatever you do, take care of your shoes. Yeah, okay. You mean, in, realistically, having good footwear? Although, you'd be surprised how many hippies can walk around without shoes on, like that dude from that one show. I mean, that's a real thing. Tons of people walk around without shoes on in the world and hippies do it all the time and they don't even care after a while they'll walk on hot glass and razor hot or razor cold or ice cold razor blades you know they don't care i'm sure junkies are like that too but uh no that's a good point take care of your shoes um or your feet i don't know about shoes necessarily because i'm often wearing boots all right, well, so then with that, we're jumping over to gun calendars. And one of the things I posted over there, I think it was Blitz. Somebody said thanks for something about calendars before. So I was like, yeah, whatever, you know, thanks. But uh, I didn't really pursue the calendars this year because nobody gave a shit about the calendars last year. So I didn't do too much with them. However, I did get some feedback from the calendars, such as where's the calendars at? It's not like you go snap and there's calendars, otherwise it'd be freaking calendars, right? They take like, I don't know, a week or more, way more than a week, actually. Actually, now that I've set it up, it might take a little less than a week, but it would take a while to set up a calendar. And the problem is if you do the calendar at the December, beginning of the year, you don't know what's going on next December because those events haven't scheduled yet. Some of them you kind of know, but you don't really know. So you're going to have some tentative things and you definitely don't know about big issues, right? So you're going to have some gray area with that calendar. And the other option is print the calendar at some other time of the year. And what happens then you got a weird overlap where you're only showing the events for the rest of the year on that calendar and the rest is sort of history. So what I attempted to do is make one sheet calendar where it has at the top here, everything that I guess I can't highlight it, but everything at the top here is the rest of this year. And then it flips over and starts to show you what's coming up next year. And even with all this stuff, there's only a couple of placeholders. So what I'm going to do is open this up in a new tab. And that's really what we're going to look at. So I was showing Blitz like, you know, I didn't do the whole calendar because I didn't think it was worth putting the time into it. And the time is provided by our Patreon. So 
thanks to them for giving me the time to spend on this project, the software like Adobe or whatever that we're using to put everything together. And then of course the servers and the software on the servers that allow us to have it archived and presented for everybody. But uh, instead of putting a bunch of effort into a plain old or a normal format calendar, you know, what is that one page per month kind of thing, which I like doing, I think it's neat. I wish I had the time to do it. But uh, instead I've made a one page thing here and then linked Blitz over to it earlier. And now I guess I could also link everybody to it because I'm sitting right here. But uh, that's what we're gonna look at for a bit. And then theoretically think about how it would, if it's possible to go to all the events on this calendar. So I'm going to open it up even bigger than it even is and encourage people to participate. It looks like a bunch of people are showing up. So maybe one of my quirkers quit quirking me, potentially. Um, so we got the gun calendars and we've got May. So we still got the rest of May. Now, Girl in a Gun just had their national conference, but why not? I stuck it at the top, even though it already happened. The mingle, I think, technically already happened when I put this together, but I still put it right at the top anyway. Both of those are really cool events, female-focused, that are industry-slash-activism-slash-skill-set development. So they're going to teach ladies in a group format how to be better shooters, how to be better educators, how to better educate other ladies and other shooters on things like tactics, awareness, and the other peripherals to marksmanship. But then again, marksmanship and tactics. And then on top of all of that, in case they weren't done yet, they also focus on activism and how to take these things that are foundational to all of us and relate them to our representatives in a way that's effective and how to offer themselves as resources to their representatives which has the result, has had the result of truly changing the playing field. So that's why I put both of these organizations right at the top. They're big parts of that. Then you get the No Other Choice Train and Learn, which is happening this next weekend. We'll have KD on on Sunday to chat about it. But the Train and Learn event is unique. It is an opportunity for the in people from industry, either manufacturers or gun shop owners or others that are sort of on the industry side of things, people with a skill or uh, um, understanding or knowledge or experience with the industry or with training, uh, either firearms training or first aid or one of the other types of training, you know, gunsmithing even, but those types of, let's say industry side of the fence, then they meet up with folks who are on the content creation side with the marketing and the photography and the collaborations and the communications types of skill sets and history and, and experience. They come together for three days and it's an immersive three days, not just three days of eight hour sessions where you're on your own the rest of the time, but instead a, a, an all inclusive type of everybody gets together on Friday night and they uh, kind of pre get everything started or actually it might be Friday. I'm not actually paying attention to the details, but they get together and then they, break up but then eat and then get together the next morning and it's an all-day thing and then overnight there's some nighttime activities and then just some collaborative stuff so everybody has a chance to unwind and have downtime with the same people that they've learned with so unlike a lot of training situations where you learn with people or you're with your peers and then you separate and everybody kind of leaves um, those scenarios are sometimes useful but in a 
typically those kind of scenarios are more for individual performance. If you've got a bunch of people coming together to qualify, to do better at their own jobs or to learn some skill sets that they're each going to need to go back and individually train others, that kind of skill set type of development or that kind of um, training, I would say, is more useful for the or more kind of along the lines of everybody learns and then separate so they can go back to their places and their hotel rooms and things and study and absorb. But in an event where in a situation where it's more collaborative and more everybody's drinking from the fire hose, but the information is going to be available. This is more of a now that it's over, let's get together and hang out and have some fun. So you get the um, I think the uh, more of the experience of like a team. I was going to say military because that's my experience, but I bet you it's the same with sports where you go do stuff together all day that you're expected to perform and learn and do well as an individual for the team. But then afterwards, you have a chance to unwind with the team. And that gives everybody a chance to have that tension and stress relief with the same group. And that bonding is what teamwork is, right? That's how teams develop. The teams that leave after practice aren't teams. Those are people that play together or do you know, accomplish skills together. But the folks that uh, bond are what teamwork is, right? So that's what the No Other Choice seems to offer, at least over the last few years. They offer that, and that's not everybody comes away with the benefits of that, but they've all had the opportunity for that. And none of the other things that we'll talk about that are on this list that are similar training things offer that kind of element to it. Next up is the, see how there's these little lines? You can kind of tell what's next. So I think next up is the same weekend as the NRA annual meeting and then the exhibits. So the annual meeting is the opportunity for the members to talk to the board members who are there 75 board members, typically 40 will show up in a controversial, well, maybe controversial year like this one, will more or less than those 40 voting board members show up. We don't know. Some lesser number of those than 40 will show up into the actual meeting room and who has influence over those dozens of people who will be voting on whether or not Alan West takes over from Wayne, whatever, LaPierre as executive vice president of the NRA. People that are satisfied to do nothing and observe would suggest that there's nothing that can be done. Someone who sees a conclusion that has the dozen or so people that have bothered the NRA into the situation it's in, I think can see a scenario where you have something that uh, some sort of uh, an effort to create uh, uh, an awareness to those voting members of the board that their vote has consequences and has meaning and to encourage them or offer them the, uh, you know, the what's the awareness to vote for an option instead of voting whatever they're given or suggested. So we've got that coming up and then a bunch of people will ignore that or say that the NRA is no good, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, get ready to fight without an NRA, I guess, or maybe they won't get ready to fight at all and they'll just complain. Next, we get to the so Southeast uh, Outdoor Press Association in West Virginia. That is a bunch of writers that'll get together in West Virginia for three or four days. 
you know, the uh, old paradigm was to pay the writers off, give them a good meal and pay their way to get there and give them a fun weekend and give them a bunch of toys, send them home with the toys because there was very few writers back in the day. So they'd all go home with whatever it is they were playing with. They'd have good times, good stories. They could hold it over everybody's head because they're the only ones invited to these like little events. And then that started to be, well, less effective, but also there was more and more writers. So you couldn't really have these little clicks because what's the point when there's dozens and dozens of writers performing outside of your little click? Your little click doesn't work anymore. Now, that's not what this came from, but that seems like, is that what this has evolved to? I don't know. So we'll see. I put it in the list because they're Second Amendment and they started from, I think, hunting or trapping some kind of defense of hunting or trapping uh, prohibitions. And when they successfully prevented the prohibition of trapping, uh, they became uh, an awareness, like a hunter's awareness organization. And then later it turned into a press association or maybe I'm mixing some of these up, but either way, it's an organization of writers that will uh, get together. And I don't know what they do there. Just, I don't think Clover goes to this one. So if something else gets clicked, it'll probably be the one that gets kicked. But I'm trying to put a bunch of different things on here that might be of interest to people or uh, be uh, not on people's radar that might be useful for people. And how good would it be if I'm wrong and everybody at this house or press association is super 2A and they've been struggling with how to get uh, awareness to YouTube because we all are over here not knowing what they're about. Uh, so if somebody sees this, heads over there, breaks that wall down, that barrier, and then boom, we've got a merging of their resources with ours. Let's suggest that's what's going to happen. All right, next we get Blade Show, uh, June 3rd through the 5th in Georgia. So there's a couple of different Blade Shows. Other one already happened. The one in Tulsa or Texas already happened. We'll have another Blade Show opportunity in Salt Lake City in October. Going into June, we get Gun Prom, which is the fancy dress get-together for California. I think there's more than one. This one's in Mission Valley, and I'm assuming that's near San Diego because it's put on by San Diego County gun owners. And it is, like it says, a fancy get-together where people have a chance to dress up. I think it's going to be like gun rights policy conference, except just for California and fancy and for just one night. So it's kind of neat because there's a night in the past at gun rights policy conference on Friday night, people get together, actually Saturday night, people get together and drink and uh, have drinks or whatever. And it's kind of like that, except eh, it's not really. If you count the fashion show and stuff, maybe, but nah, not really. Is there going to be a fashion show at the gun prom? Yeah, there should have been, but there ain't, I don't think. Let's see. Next would be June in Oklahoma. Uh, again? No, we haven't been to Oklahoma yet. So Oklahoma, and that's uh, pretty much by Tulsa. And that's the full auto shoot and trade show. And that's a two-day event. I think there's a night shoot also. In fact, I know there is. Then there's nothing. No, there's the uh, next thing is in June is in Nebraska. What? And in Nebraska will be the National 4-H Championships coming up June 26th through the 1st. So that's quite a few days of all different kinds of 
uh, shooting events. And when you think about something like that, I, you know, and it's been a long time since I've dealt with anything like that, but you know, as a kid or whatever, but there's the kids, then there's the parents, and then there's whoever is facilitating it, like all the different, what do you call them, like support staff, like whoever is changing targets or whatever else has to be done. Then you've got the support staff for the range, you know, emptying garbages and making sure the plumbing works and that kind of thing. And then you've got the organization side of it, the people keeping score, right? Then you've got the national level stuff, who's keeping track of if the whole thing even works out and if the bills are getting paid and and then you probably got media people on top of that. And that's just for 4-H. I'm hoping there's something like that for scouts and for other stuff and for something else, right? I don't know how many youth organizations there are out there for the youths. But that's a whole bunch of infrastructure out there. Could use some support and some uh, attention, some awareness out there, I bet. Some facilitation, even. Imagine just getting a bunch of pizzas or something delivered. And what would that boost in morale offer? What would the boost in local economy be if you started ordering pizzas or food or something, maybe arrange that ahead of time so it's appropriate and doesn't go to waste? But uh, the boost to the local economy could be something, too. Anyway, we're just bullshitting here. So nobody's saying anything. So for all I know, nobody's even watching. Uh, let's see. Then we get Rick Hector, legally armed in Detroit on July 30th. He really the only other thing happening in July. So maybe because of the heat or maybe because of the 4th of July, but nothing happens in July. Then you have the, let's call it the SHOT Show for surplus stores. The Army-Navy Military Expo happens in twice a year. This one is in August early August, and then nothing else for the rest of August. Then AMCON. So basically you go all the way through August, almost all the way through September, and then you get to the Alternative Multimedia Convention. Yeah, I didn't name it. AMCON. This will be the sixth annual one because they count the ones that happen virtually. And then this one will be the day before Gun Rights Policy Conference, which is happening in real life again. This time in Dallas, and this time it's the uh, September 30th through October 2nd. This is where all the gun owners' rights organizations minus NRA never shows up. I think they're invited, but I don't think they ever show up. I think they have showed up. I shouldn't say it that way. They've showed up in the past, but they typically don't show up and not in force or anything. And then Nagger, the one who brings in $16 million from Colorado, doesn't show up because... They don't do anything and why would they show up and just everyone would just acknowledge that they don't do anything they have nothing to prove and nothing to show for what they've the 16 million dollars they pull from the economy every year but whatever so everybody else shows up and they take the stage they give you a sit rep uh what's been happening what they see is coming what they might need uh then they'll have groups of folks show up and take the stage as a group and offer some perspective or some challenge in the some awareness typically and those conversations that are conversations those presentations get recorded by charles heller who's been recording the audio i think for a long 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 time and uh from what's his face paul who will uh stream it kind of uh so and, and then anybody who makes a presentation typically will have someone else doing a competent recording for them right so Unfortunately, there's not something set up a gun rights policy conference in 2022, which allows each speaker to have an ultimately excellent 
produced copy, both audio and visual video, both from a close-up and from the back of the room to show the audience reaction and potentially even from their perspective so that they could use it for editing. Sure, all that's totally possible. It should all be done for the Gun Rights Policy Conference for every speaker. And then, of course, each of those segments should be sent up after Gun Rights Policy Conference on the Second Amendment's YouTube channel and other social platforms as individual segments with appropriate links and quotes. And nowadays, you can even put the, what is it, closed captioning copy of it, you know, the translation of it up there. But uh, since that doesn't happen, usually they each of the speakers will record their own and then they'll go out on their own website. So effectively, they have even more reach because Second Amendment Foundation doesn't do any of that uh, or they don't facilitate any of that happening. Uh, each of those presenters, most of the presenters, because some of them don't even have a camera, but most of them will record their stuff and then post that on their own channels. And then you get people like Clover or Roll Call or Smeggy or I don't want to leave people out. I'm leaving people out. But there's individuals that will show up at gun rights policy with their own cameras who will also make uh, recordings or streams of the stuff that's happening and then distribute that on their platforms, you know, again, creating more reach. So gun rights policy is ultimately effective. It's been going on since 84. It's not perfect. And for some reason, they won't listen even when I complain at them for all the things they could do to make it better. But it's per it's really cool. You get together on Friday in Dallas and countless off, you know, site individual conversations and meetups are happening. People get together after not seeing each other for a while. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully they're all scheduling themselves to get there Wednesday or Thursday. So they have some real time to bond and get to know each other and hang out and just relax before getting back to work for the conference. Because none of them stick around and do that after. Although, if you wanted to do something for your favorite activists, find out who's going to gun rights policy and work on some sort of a way to facilitate that. Give them some time to hang out and to hang out with each other. They're doing it at a decent hotel, I think. I don't really know. The parking lot seemed cool. And if what would happen if all of the people that attended gun rights policy conference who have influence in the organizations they represent were given two or three days to relax and enjoy themselves in Dallas together. What would the consequences of that be? How much could that possibly cost? How much? How many people can possibly be there? Only 400 people attend the thing. There's 27 speakers or something. So even if you said 50 people you're going to put up in Dallas for three days, how much could that possibly cost? How much reach would it take to accomplish that? Like, could a YouTuber with 200,000 subs do that? Could a YouTuber with 2 million subs do that? How many YouTubers would it take? How many radio shows would it take? Radio shows that are, uh, that are what is that called? Um, syndicated all across the country, even internationally, have massive viewing audiences. How much would it take to get the activists in the United States each to get a couple of extra days off work so that they could hang out in Dallas after the Gun Rights Policy Conference and chill. What would be the consequences of that? Next up is the Ohio Cartridge Collector Show because I put all kinds of stuff on here. And instead of just 2A stuff, I also wanted to put in here some things that are more interesting than just obtaining new guns from manufacturers who are slightly altering grip angles in order to sell you a new model. One thing you could look at is what our grandparents' grandparents shot 
and that stuff is truly unique that stuff is truly rare and that stuff is truly interesting uh, made by companies that may or may not exist with all different kinds of stories and all different kinds of reputations and all different kinds of scandals and all different kinds of uh, championing like you know amazing things and all kinds of horrible things and all this stuff is captured in a way in our ammunition history you can collect ammunition by going to the range and just picking up stuff that people leave behind it's that free simple and easy all the way up to going to gun shows and cheating and buying stuff from some other collector or whatever you can look online and find websites like ammo buyer's guide which is my attempt at offering an insight to ammo collecting or one of the other millions of them one of the things is the international ammo association and ammo are International Ammo Collectors Association, I think, IAA, or something like that. Anyway, it's an organization that's been around for decades for people who collect ammunition. Ammunition is better than collecting guns. I said it, and I'll say it again. Ammunition is more fun than collecting guns. So there's an entire gun show for collecting ammunition, more than one actually, but one of them is in Ohio, and I put that in here because I wrote the calendar. Next up is TriggerCon, which is, I don't know, it's the evolution of things that are happening. So it's been going on for a while, and it used to happen in Washington, I think, maybe Oregon too, but I think just Washington. And it has it had a lot of potential, and then it had a lot of people mad at it, and then it had opportunity, and then it's now in Kansas. So I don't know anything about it other than it's gone up and down like a roller coaster in interest and popularity and respect with the community. And now it's in Kansas and now Gizzard's going to it, I'm pretty sure. And that'll be in October for two days in Kansas. So how cool is it to have an, organ, an opportunity for a, a national level event to happen in the middle of the country instead of well, and basically the most of the places are established, you know, for years and years and years. So it's cool to see something move and it'll be interesting to see what evolves out of TriggerCon. If they're a victim of their past or if they've learned and they'll be bigger and better and more fun than ever. Who knows? Gizzard will know. Then we got uh, Big Sandy. There's I put, should have put this in here twice, but... Uh, it would have been right over here also, so it would have been right next to each other. But Big Sandy is now and is the largest machine gun shoot in the United States. It always has been. Um, well, I shouldn't say that. I think uh, Knob Creek might have been bigger for a minute, but Big Sandy got big. Big Sandy got bigger quick. So Big Sandy started out as a group of friends who started to shoot, and then with the Internet and with the popularity of watching people shoot cool stuff, it started to grow and they leaned into it at some point and then became an organization and invited spectators to come out, facilitated those spectators to an extent and have created a truly unique opportunity experience. And I don't know what to call it. It's, it's, it's a, it's a happening. So there's other things that happen where music is involved or where kids go out in the desert and do weird things and they have weird stories about it. This is the, gun version of all of that because it's a quarter mile of desert of firing line in acres and acres and hundreds of acres of desert that are privately owned and twice a year the, those friends those original friends who used to get together in the desert now bring a lot of people with them 
and have a fairly impressive, well-produced, safe expression of freedom. There's no other way to say it. It's amazing. It's in the middle of nowhere. So the only people that show up are hard or sad because they didn't pay attention. But there's no facilities at all. There's not a drip of running water. It's in the deserts of Arizona between Phoenix and Las Vegas. And uh, it's an experience. You drive out there, you get all dusty and dirty. It feels like you've driven through uh, some kind of cement mixer or something to get there. And then once you're there, uh, you experience for three days uh, what can only be described as some sort of uh, woodstock for machine guns. It's uh, muddy and everybody's nobody's taking a shower for three days except for the fancy types who shoot nine millimeter and bring a shower with them or whatever. Everybody else is just living life and having a good time. Kids from 4-H set up a place with a, like a kitchen with a bunch of food all the time. So people don't even bother to bring out their food sometimes. Other people camp out there. Other people do some weird version of car camping. It's awesome. So uh happens twice a year now. And now that Knob Creek is gone, it's going to be interesting. So I think that uh, OFAST will take over from Knob Creek, though. Uh, let's see. Uh, Angelina's saying, I'm hoping to purchase a van and convert it for van life in about a year. The car market is crazy now. I got a van. Well, I shouldn't say nothing. We'll talk off air on Monday. So then, uh, let's see, we've got uh, after Big Sandy in October. Oh, see, I almost dropped that tomato again. Hold on, I'm going to eat this tomato before I drop it. So after Big Sandy in October will be the North American Sporting Goods Wholesaler Expo. So if you watch, if you watched Jeff Quinn back in the day on Gun Blast, he would always go to that one, the Nascua Expo, and it travels, so it's always in a different place. But he would end up seeing a couple of things on his YouTube channel before anybody even knew about him at Shot Show. And uh, he always had a paywall, so you'd have to go into his website and pay to go find out what was coming. So if you want to have access to it and you got a YouTube channel, nobody ever went to that one. I don't know why. It's basically a little tiny shot show. Um, then we get, I guess, the USCCA Carry Expo. Some reason it was like in the middle of the year this year, November. Kind of odd. But uh, that'll be November 11 and 13 or through 13 in Dallas or Fort Worth, which is the same place. And then the same weekend is Wanamaker. So that's lame. So I'm definitely not going to the USCCA. If I had a choice, I'd go to Wanamaker any day over USCCA. But anyway, that's just me. Then uh, USCCA is basically a little tiny sh fake shot show where they bring a bunch of vendors in and they show you stuff a month and a half before a shot show for some reason in Texas. And instead of doing it down in like, I don't know, somewhere cool like Waco or San Antonio, then they did it in Fort Worth. Then you get uh, Wanamaker. It happens twice a year. The second one will be in November, November 12th and 13th. After Wanamaker, the only thing left in 2022 would be the SAR Show West, which is the Small Arms Review. is a magazine that comes out, I think, every two months now. And... 
they have a, a collaboration with uh, Crossroads of the West gun show promoters, and they're the, the Crossroads' biggest gun show of the year is in conjunction with the Small Arms Review show. So the Phoenix Fairgrounds becomes basically the entire fairgrounds is a gun show, and it's pretty awesome. It's is it's the biggest gun show this side of Wanamaker. So Wanamaker's happens twice a year. This one happens once a year. There's one in Virginia that I always forget to put on here because I've never been to it. But uh, that happens like three or four times a year, I think. And that one's pretty big. And then something in Florida happens that's pretty big. But there's only some big gun shows, and this is the one we get out west. So it's worth attending if you ever have a chance. Definitely worth attending. It's like something like 20 bucks for the whole weekend. It's fairly decent. And... Uh, Except for it's better than Wanamaker in the respects that there's an entire building. Uh, about half of the upstairs of Wanamaker is just machine gun, no, not a half. A third of the upstairs of Wanamaker is just machine guns and belt fed and machine gun stuff. So that alone is worth going to SAR show. Then the map or the calendar, I guess, kind of turns around and turns into what's happening next year. And most of the events that happened between now and the beginning of the year are already scheduled except for ambassador academy who i showed the calendar to and they're cool with it but they also showed me something i'm missing that just came up and that means i need to redo this calendar completely because if we go to the dc project website and then go to their events page or their rally page so basically DC project events. No, nope, that's the wrong DC project. It's a kind of Republican thing maybe. So how about DC project rally? And DC project info is one we're looking for. So they have a We the People rally at the Capitol September 16th. 2022 so that'll be going on here as well and then that will be what did i just say september 16th that will be right between are you kidding me it's the weekend before gun rights policy conference is that really when it is uh Definitely need to get some of these ladies some money. There's no way they're going to be able to afford to do that kind of travel. So it's happening at the end of a gap, which is good, but the weekend before the Gun Rights Policy Conference in Dallas, lame. They should move the Gun Rights Policy Conference to Virginia or Pennsylvania or somewhere way closer. Maryland. Can we hear it from Maryland? Is Mitch Kojo out there? Because um, that's kind of weak. Plus, who cares about going to Dallas? Dallas can suck it. Uh, we should take it closer to to DC so that more people from DC project can show up. But anyway, they're probably not going to listen to me. That's uh, the calendar. What I was thinking of was trying to figure out how to get to all of them, but I'm not going to because I would take too much effort and I'm lazy tonight. So uh, we've done that already, I think, earlier in the year anyway. It's just that there's a lot more events on the list now. Uh, let's see. Wesley's out there. Good evening. And... Echo jumped in. I don't know if I said hey to Echo earlier and AR guns. And I'll mention again that uh, AR had a really good uh, kind of angle setup. I don't know if you change cameras or just put it on a different tripod or whatever. But the 
uh, angle towards the reloading thing, but then also having that monitor in the back is classic. Like it was really neat being able to watch that. And then if so, if you've seen something come up over there, you just kind of could tell, it's pretty cool seeing the monitor and then having that press right there where you could see everything. And then the rest of the bench uh, definitely reminds me of the, I'm going to call it the dead horse era. So I guess Wesley's talking to Angelina. Consider, a, I got to figure out how to get to this. I'm going to go over here. A Chrysler Pacifica hybrid. You mean electric hybrid? That's little. That's too little. But uh, that's half electric, you're saying? They're going to be cramming two people in it, and that's that's pretty tight. For us person a single person laying down like the passenger seat and having a way to lay down or something i could see but being not uh short in the van sucks butts so i would not want to be crouched over in a vehicle no matter how tall i was for any length of time but if it you're saying it worked worked for my backpacking club better ride Lower operating costs, fuel injection, no carb. Well, if there's no carbs, then you don't have to worry about glutens. Um, here's the thing on vans. I don't like passenger vans because of all the windows. And on a passenger van, not always, but occasionally you got either already some kind of a curtain or something or the way to put a curtain in there. Uh, I don't know what's up with these little tiny cars if they've got, they got tinted windows, but what if you're back there all naked and then there's just you tinted window, twin, tinted window between whatever you got going on in there, you're changing clothes or something, trying to clean up and then, you know, whatever else is going on in the world. Somebody's like, oh, I'm just going to take a shortcut through this parking lot. And then, uh oh, that's awkward. But that would be my concern as far as the windows go. And then the other concern with a passenger one versus a cargo one, for vans at least, is with a cargo one, we can put insulation everywhere. So, you know, just run insulation all up and down the walls and ceiling. And while it's not super comfortable back there, at least it can protect us from both heat and cold. When you got a vehicle like this one, I guess you could probably put the bubble wrap you know, like the tinfoil bubble wrap stuff up in the windows. And if it's tinted, nobody's going to see it. But what are you going to put like a layer of foam? And you know what I mean? You're just not going to get that much insulation. And even if you do, it's going to either have to be temporary or look like garbage on the inside, you know, unless they make something I'm not familiar with, some kind of like a little pillow or something that folds out and covers the windows so that it's insulated and blacks them out. But aside from those, Here's what you got advantages compared to a van. It doesn't look like nothing. It just looks like uh, some mom's SUV. So you could park this thing, I'm sure, anywhere. Anywhere. Anywhere you park this, you can just take a nap. Anywhere. Anywhere you park this, you could just jump in the back, start cooking lunch. Crack a window, nobody cares. Park this in any parking lot anywhere, nobody's going to look twice. As long as you're not sitting in the passenger side doing something weird, and when there's nobody in the driver's side. And even then, they're just going to think you're waiting for somebody to come back out of building or something. So as far as being on the sly, this is the way to go. 
Now, if you're talking cost-wise, it's cheap, then that's good. But now let's go figure out how much it costs. I guess I'm going to Car US, Car Gurus. Is it going to tell me? $43,000. Who are you talking to? Who do you think this is? Nobody's got $40,000. Come on, man. I would. I, my van was $4,000, I think. Maybe less than that. I think I borrowed four thousand and bought it for like three something, so I could put money into it. Um, want to be able to put in a decent bed for long trips. Needs to sleep twenty six adults and two dogs. I have no idea what the hell happens in California. Holy moly! I think a school bus is what you're looking for, unless you're trying to go for one of those like. Japanese really small hotels type of situations where you just have like a bunch of little pods or something back there. 26 adults. Um, uh, Thrulul 600 rack external storage. I don't know what that means. So I'm guessing that means some sort of a pod that the kids will put on the outside of their vans nowadays. Um, let's go look what that is. This is all about travel. Thule 600 rack. Thule is a bicycle thing. So I'm assuming it's something like that. Here we go. Yeah, basically one of those creepy coffins. It looks like the thing that Spock died in. Now, if you want to drive around looking like Star Trek, that's up to you. I figure anybody that sees this thinks I'm some kind of paraglider or scuba diver. And they're going to try to bust into my little Star Trek pod. So I'm not driving around with this. But I get what you're saying. I think people do it. How much do these things cost? I guess I'd shut up if they're like 25 bucks. I'll just go to carid.com. Find out real quick. Garbage. Link farm. Uh, E-trailer. How about just I'll go straight to the place. Cover the whole car in tarp tent. Um, oh, I see what you're saying. Um, I think. All right. I don't know why it's grayed out. Oh, it's because of the stupid cookies. Well, I'm not taking their damn cookies. So screw off, duo. All right. So I think I know what you're saying. So you're talking like a tent that pops out like a big umbrella, but it turns into a giant tent around your vehicle it's weird you're not gonna do that in a parking lot but i guess out in the middle of nowhere nobody's gonna care if you do that um i've tried it before i've never done it like the kids nowadays the kids like to make their tents up in the air like some kind of tree fort back in the day we were just cheap so we would just somehow pop a tent in the back of the truck or kind of set up a tent in the back of the truck and kind of sent the tool the the poles between those parts of the truck where you're supposed to stick two by fours in and you could kind of get a tent to stay up. But here's the thing. I quit using a tent in the 90s, early 90s. Wait. Yeah, early 90s I quit using a tent. And I started just sleeping out under the stars. So when I would car camp, I would also sleep under the stars. So I've never, I only experimented with this like twice out of somebody bugging me about it. And then I never did it again. But uh, so we never experimented with having fancy car tents 
but I do know they exist. And I don't think they're useful, used very much in Arizona is the thing. I think people from other states use them. Works very similarly to Alice in Wonderland's Eat Me, Drink Me. What? Oh, to get the 26 people in there? Uh, those things are super common here. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to look like I own a Volvo, and I don't want to give out the impression that I own some kind of Volvo. So I'm not getting any kind of pod on the top of my car. But I guess I could see it. Now, here's the thing. If you've got a pod like this on your car, and now you park... People are going to think you're some kind of hobo, right? Hey, that guy's over there. Look at that pod. That guy's got his whole house in that pod. Like, run him out of here. Get that guy out of here. That's what I figure is going to happen. So I think you're, you're asking for trouble putting one of these pods on top of your car. Also, aerodynamics. I'm really worried about aerodynamics and gas mileage. Cover windows in 3M wrap. You know, you can't just go around doing that. Not here. And then there's other places where they'll bust you for that. And I'm guessing, I haven't van lifed that hardcore before, but I'm guessing if you were too tinted up and van lifing around, that ain't, that ain't a good mix. They probably, you stand out, you know what I'm saying? When you're too tinted up. I kind of want that. I don't know what he's talking about. A bunk trailer? I don't know if I, because of the lag or something, I don't know what I'm, what you're talking about. This here? You're going to sleep in this? I mean, I guess it kind of looks like a roll-top desk, except you jam it on the back of your bumper, I guess. I, I would be too big for this. I would have to really wad up to get in here. I think it's dangerous to sleep in there while you're driving. But if that's what Woods wants to do, The wife ain't going for on the ground. Oh, I see what you're saying. Well, I wouldn't put the wife in here. That's probably a bad idea. Now, you're going to make your wife sleep inside of one of these pods? Like Spock? That's messed up, dude. Look, it doesn't even seem comfortable. There's a bunch of things underneath here, and it's all ribbed. It's all rid ridged. Uh, a pod on a Subaru? Yeah, exactly. Wear Birkenstocks and then pull your socks up nice and tight. Birkenstocks. All right. I think I'm getting slappy. So at this point, we're 60 minutes in, and we went through the calendar, which was mostly what I felt like doing because uh, we were talking travel. We're talking training. I guess I didn't emphasize it, but if we take a look at how many things on this calendar and what they are, Girl in a Gun, training. The Mingle, training. NOC, train and learn, uh, training. Um, Laid, legally arms in Detroit, training. Amcon, training. Okay, most of the other stuff isn't training. Ambassador Academy, training. Uh, iGold, I guess, is not technically training. So, also, what the hell is this? Western Hunting and Convention conservation expo i think i need to take that off there i'll definitely going to filter this thing on the next run through give us some feedback and let's know if you would want to see anything added to the list not guaranteed or removed from the list not guaranteed but i am curious to see what people think as far as what would be useful for a one year one page 
top of the most important, I guess, uh, 2A events for the year. And wanted to mention that it will definitely be adding the new We the People rally, which will happen September 16th in Washington, D.C., so D.C. project event. And I might be missing something. It's possible that I missed something. Uh, so if I am, let me know in the comments. Not necessarily right this moment if you're watching live, but even if you're watching in the future, you have the ability to leave comments. And we read them. All right, with that, we're out of here. I don't know if anybody else is live. Probably not. Most people don't care enough about the people that are up this late at night to go live and to stream specifically for the overnighters. But Foss does. He's live every other Saturday. He used to call it the overnight. Now he calls it the kind of late night show. And then uh, every Wednesday after our tactical quiz, Foss goes live for the mouse party. And if I remember correctly, this is the week for the overnighter or the, excuse me, it's now called the late nighter show. So you could check that out. Otherwise, you have to listen to reruns this late at night because nobody else cares as much as we all do about the people at night who are really doing everything, really, right? Uh, so thanks for joining in, and we'll see you tomorrow if you join in. We do the weekly wrap-up on Fridays, and Saturday we do Ask Gun Questions over on the big channel. We will also be chatting with KD, Kevin Dixie, from No Other Choice about the 6th, 5th, 4th annual Train and Learn, which will be happening next weekend. May 27th through 29th. We talked about it earlier. All right, then uh, till next time. Tonight's episode, Triangle of Terror. Uh, should I drop a chat for an after, should I drop a link for an after chat? You be the one to let me know. Gearwebsites.com is your source for firearms-based playing cards and books. We also have mugs, shirts, and posters with designs that we've made live. Of course, we have patches. Every Friday is Free Patch Friday. We appreciate your support. Thank you for shopping at Gearwebsites.com. Wesley saying, we used to, you use tents, current generation, go hammock, camper. Camping? Yeah. Definitely. Well, trends change, and we didn't have the cool, amazing, awesome vehicles that we have now and the ability to sew nylon and stuff. You know, computers can figure stuff out. We give them shit only because they're doing cool, neat stuff. On the other hand, they don't learn what it's like to have a bug crawl on them or get dirty, which is crippling. But they got to learn somehow. They'll learn it when they fall out of that tent or something, right? Tonight's episode, Photo Finish. So let us know what you think. We'll be watching the comments wherever you find the video over on GunStreamer.com or on GunTube.org. Thank you for supporting our projects. If you'd like to buy us a cup of coffee, check out our Patreon channel. The, the guys and gals of GunWebsites.com encourages you to take a CCW class every year, practice at least once a month, and carry every day. Thank you for watching GunWebsites.com.